I know you're tired because it was New Year's Eve last night, but with a little more energy, amen? Amen. Maligayam bagontaon to you all. Happy New Year, happy 2023. You might think that it's an oddity that I mentioned in my statements earlier about somebody watching a recording of this service at some future point. I never know where or how these recordings might pop up, neither do you, but the Lord knows. And even if there isn't any future purpose of that, that's fine, that's in his hands. I want to reiterate something that can be a little confounding to our human minds, so wrapped up in the present moment. But we've unwrapped some presents just a week ago, and so here's a gift to unwrap in your life today, to remember that always what God is doing today involves you. If you're alive on planet Earth, if you're breathing air, you're breathing the breath of God. In the book of Genesis, the description of the creation of humanity illustrates for us that every one of us that ever draws breath draws it because of the privilege God has granted us to be born. We live on this earth according to his will. That is to say, we are here because he made us. His plan today involves you. But what he's doing today is never just about today. It's always connected to who he has always been because he is the eternal one, the ancient of days, always present, always current, always relevant, and always able to see ahead in a way that you and I cannot on our own. But by faith, we can see what he shows us to see. And yet even in that, we know he sees more than we do. It's true, right? He sees more than we do. And so what he is doing today is also about tomorrow. It's about the future as well as the present moment. And so invest yourself in God's plan and, uh, and purpose for you. And God's plan and purpose for us in 2023 is to be people of perseverance. That is our spiritual focus for 2023, the year of perseverance. And the palpable enthusiasm of the room was overwhelming. I get it. I know what somebody out there is thinking because this body up here thought it too. Wait a minute. Perseverance is not exactly what I'm looking for. I like some of the other things that have been said. The year of making things right. The year of righteousness. The year of blessing. The year of breakthrough. The year of expansion. The year of revival. The year of blessing. The year where debts are paid off and, and purposes are fulfilled and dreams are answered. The year of life. The year of joy. Guess what? None of those things can be reached out and laid hold of without perseverance. But perseverance lays hold of them all. So don't disparage perseverance because it's God's gift to you this year. Amen. It's what God is giving you. It's not just what you and I are focusing on. It is what we are receiving from him. Now, how about that? How about the gift of perseverance? Because it comes with power to stand and withstand. It comes with steadiness and focused purpose. It comes with clarity. This is the direction to go in. Walk in it. It comes with the promise of the Lord that the one who perseveres to the end shall be saved. Jesus himself said those words in Matthew chapter 24, verse 13. And it is one of our major theme verses for the year. So write that down. Make it plain for yourself, if you will. Matthew 24, 13. Jesus says, the one who endures, who sustains, who perseveres to the finish line. Think of the end that way. To the goal. To the purpose. That is the one who will receive salvation. And you know what Jesus is saying when he says salvation? It's not just the promise of an eternal heavenly life. Although to say just in front of that phrase doesn't do it justice because really what greater promise could there be than that? But that promise is like an umbrella. It's like a tent, a canopy. In fact, in fact speaking, I'm so excited that I'm speaking ahead of my tongue. Can you tell that today? My tongue is trying to catch up. My tongue will have to persevere because my eyes have seen something of the Lord in the spirit, if not in the flesh. The prayer of Jabez about expanding your tent to the right and to the left, that's the expansion of God's promise. 
Perseverance is that promise to you and I in this season. And God says, within the canopy of salvation is every other good gift of God. It's the love of God, the life of God, the healing power of God, the revealing power of God, the righteousness of God. In many ways, this year of perseverance will be one in which we talk about other aspects of the life and walk of faith that really require perseverance in order to be fully actualized in our life, to be realized. There are things that the Lord calls us to that will help sustain us. If you look to your right and your left, not in the room today, hopefully not in the room where you are, but in the world, in your workplace, in the lanes on the freeway, in the classroom, you don't have to look far to see people who feel like they can't sustain. And now let's acknowledge that sometimes that's the person in the mirror that we see. A person who says, I can't go on. I'm too tired. I'm ready to quit. Quiet quitting is a thing. <laughs> Have you heard about quiet quitting? I'm not here to comment on the cultural uh, uh, ramifications of quiet quitting, but let me just say something. When quitting becomes a goal and ideal, something's wrong in society. I don't mean that work-life balance isn't a good idea. I mean, that isn't really quitting. It's not a good term if that's the goal. But the reality is, the reason why that phrase has garnered attention and, and even traction is because people feel like quitting because people feel like giving up, because some people already have. It's a sobering thing to look at the suicide statistics and to compare them also with age and see that younger and younger people are giving up earlier and earlier in life. And that precious breath of God that has given life to us, some people are extinguishing in a not so quiet act of quitting. And there are many reasons why people would be so distressed or so disturbed or even so deceived that they would give in to that very tragic impulse. But I can tell you that one thing that would stand against it to deliver people out of that unnecessary death and into the fullness of life is the perseverance of God. To look at the situations in front of us and realize that our Joy is not predicated upon our circumstances in the world. It's founded upon the foundation of Christ and his sacrifice for us. It's the cross that calls us. Now consider what the cross says and shows. It's a point of death. It's a point of sacrifice. But Jesus set his face towards that cross like flint, the scriptures say. By God's grace, when we come to the period of Passion Week this year, we'll talk about passionate perseverance and we will see it in Christ's legacy that leads to the cross, but not just the cross, to the grave, but not just to the grave, a tomb that is a womb where life is reborn. You see, perseverance helps take us beyond the finish line. So this year, we will talk about things like purity, because the purity of our faith, the totality of our focus on the Lord, the, the, the depth of our engagement in the word, these are ways in which God's gift of perseverance will be communicated to us. These are the ways in which we can receive, endorse, deposit, and appreciate the value of perseverance. Now somebody might say, and again, I have heard it, and it originates even in my own mind. Because years ago, the Lord spoke to me. As you know, I pray years in advance about what is the focus that God wants to have for us in a given year. And I always hold it gently, very aware that I'm a fallible person and it's possible that I might mishear things. And I don't want to overstate the significance of these annual themes. The reason why I seek the Lord for a focus in this fashion is because our lives really are patterned by these 12-month schedules that we call years, in which the four seasons of the earth carry out year after year. And there is something significant about the beginning of a new year. It is just another day in many ways, but it's 
it's a, a fitting thing, I think, that every 12 months you and I would look at the calendar and recognize there's a new cycle of seasons upon us. There's a new era in front of us. It's connected to what has already come. And in the mind of God, in the hand of God, it's connected with what will, will come. But it has a particular purpose. In fact, these years, these five years from 2021 through 2025, the Lord spoke to me and I've shared with you. He said, these are years of purpose. The first five years of my pastorate here from 2016 to 2020, he called to me years of meaning. And we looked at what does it mean to be the people of God? And it really is about a harvest. It's about receiving the light of the Lord and the seed of his word, watered by the water of his spirit and made fruitful by his son, our savior Jesus, to the point of a harvest that you and I are called to work in. And though those themes are from years past, that meaning is to be at the heart of our purpose, always, every year. But in the next five years, the Lord said to me, these shall be years of purpose, and I believe it is because we are living in a world so confused and confounded about what is and what is to be, about who we are to be and how we are to live. We are living in a world that has lost its rudder, and there's a variety of reasons for that, not the least of which may be that when you pile these calendars of years on top of each other, you come to things like centuries and millennia. And we just changed that about almost a quarter century ago now. Can you believe that? It's been almost 25 years since the calendar turned not only to a new century, the 21st, but a new millennium, the third. And in that, there is a destabilizing effect. You can go back and see at the turn of times uh, at the year 1000, and there was a similar sort of confusion about what's going on in the world and how do we live. And of course, there's a prevailing and persistent effort of the enemy to confound and confuse people at all times. But in this world that we are living in, people have confusion about their purpose. Even people who have a strong sense of their purpose, if that purpose isn't rooted in God's word, if it isn't illuminated by God's life, if it isn't God's purpose, then I assure you, no matter how confident you or I might be that we have found our purpose, it is not the right purpose for us if it is not of God. And so these years, the Lord has said to you and I, I want you to know your purpose in me. And each year in this cycle, this season, is a time when you and I need to be thinking deeply about what that means for us as a congregation and for each of us individually as followers of Jesus. Part of our purpose is to be integrated, to be connected with God. Here at the table of the Lord, you and I commune together with Christ. For those of you who are at home, I invite you to prepare the elements, if you have them available to you, to get a bit of bread or a cracker, something that can approximate the body of Christ, a cup with something that you can drink as the cup of the new covenant. Pray over those elements and consecrate them to God. And then at the end of today's teaching, when we share together in communion, you can partake as well, right where you are. And if you haven't those resources available to you, you can still participate in prayer. And that prayer also is consecrated to God and will also be a communion of you and us together with him. We do this at the beginning of every month as a single congregation, both Tagalog and English services combined. And we do this today at the very beginning of the year. What a blessed opportunity to remember that our primary purpose is in God and is to be one in God. In my times of uh, devotion leading up to today, in recent period, I came across this passage from Psalm 32. You might have seen it also if you're on version. That's an app that I use. And by the way, this is a good time to remind people that you can use a printed Bible. You can use your smartphone or other technological device to access the scriptures every day. You can enlist in a program to read through the whole New Testament or the whole Bible in a period of time, such as a year. You can make 2023 the year in which you persevere in reading all of the Word. You can do it. It is absolutely possible. 
In fact, if you're planning on coming before God and telling him that the reason that you didn't read his entire word, and believe me, he'll want to know why. That would be a question I think utterly reasonable to expect from God if you and I come at the end of our days, at the end of our years, before the Lord and he says, now then, why did you never read all of my word? And we say, well, I couldn't. Guess what? That's not true. You can. You can read all of God's word. In fact, it may have been never easier to do. And so apps like YouVersion and others, online assistance, and even just go to the bookstore, there's a few still out there, or order from Amazon a one-year Bible and read through the word. You will receive gifts of perseverance and promise from God through his word in doing that. And if you are on the YouVersion, you might have seen Psalm 32 recently featured as a daily verse. Here in the Passion Translation, which is really a dynamic translation that is, in, especially in a verse like this, offering more than just the verse itself, but a bit of commentary that makes it sometimes uh, kind of uh, uh, controversial for some people. But I think it's a valuable opportunity to have a translation like this as an addendum to, as, a, as an added study uh, resource available to you in looking at the word. Here, the translator of the Passion Translation has tried to pull out the sense of the ideas that are innate in the Greek text and add some contemporary verbiage as a kind of frame around it to enhance our understanding of what is actually being said. I, I, I should say not the Greek text, but the Hebrew text. Forgive me, that was a misstatement on my part. And I think if you look at the uh, uh, original uh, verse here, uh, both in the Hebrew and in the Greek translation of it, the Septuagint, and you see the Passion Translation, you can see this is a very viable interpretation of the text. And here the psalmist, who is, by the way, David. And later on in this year, we're going to do a series looking at Psalms of Perseverance. This actually isn't one of them, although I don't know, maybe I'll recalibrate on that. I told you I hold those things rather loosely. I want to allow the Lord to breathe on the present moment. I plan, but I also prepare for the Lord to speak. But in, in our plans, we'll be looking both at David this year. In fact, very soon, in February, we will start a series on the days of David, talking about the early days of David and his rise up in Israel, which is the next point of reading in our study together of the books of Samuel. Here is a psalm of David in which the psalmist says, I heard the Lord saying, I will stay close to you instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. Now, Pastor Hazel didn't know that I was going to have this as part of today's teaching, but surely you can hear in this passage what has already been said to us through her, through Pastora Blanche, even myself and Pastor Henji, even through the worship. There's a kind of coordination of these things that reflects the Spirit. The Lord is saying to you and I, I'm going to guide you if you will let me. I will instruct you along the pathway of life. I'll advise you along the way and I'll lead you forth along the way with my eyes as your guide. Now, this is a bit long and you at home, I want you to say it too. Turn to the person next to you if you can and say, if it's God's eyes leading, it's God's plan you're following. If it's God's eyes leading, it's God's plan you're following. You see, we misunderstand and misappropriate texts like this if we think what God is saying is, choose whatever it is you like and want to do, and I'm here to serve you in that purpose. We say, well, now, wait a minute. Didn't Jesus say, ask anything in my name and it'll be done for you? Yes, but in my name doesn't mean use me to get whatever you want. It means come into me and the things that I want will become your desire then you will ask for what you desire and it'll be done because it's my Father's will. And the Father is saying here, I'll show you my will, but you'll have to live by faith, not by sight. So don't make it difficult, says the Lord. Now here in this year of perseverance, remember, don't persevere in being disobedient. Don't be like Paul before Paul yielded to Christ. When Jesus said to Paul, it's difficult when you kick against the goads. In other words, when you're like a horse trying to be unbridled, go in the way that I am leading you. Amen. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you've not been before. PCF, God wants to take us where we have not been before. Don't be afraid, just believe. 
and don't resist, but yield to where God is going. And the Lord says, don't make me tug you and pull you along. Guess what? He will if he has to, but he's saying, don't make me. Just come with me. I love that that phrase is the concluding phrase of the sentiment of this scripture because Jesus said it so many times, follow me. But when he said, come and follow me, it was always part of a statement that in total said, leave what you're doing and follow me. There's something to be left at the cross in order to walk the pathway of the Christ. There's something about us releasing in order for us to lay hold. And so perseverance is about laying hold of what God has purposed for us. I thought about the metaphor of a car race for you and I to understand the progression of these years. Because some people might say, isn't perseverance just another way of saying patience? And in fact, that's not an invalid comment. If you look in especially the Greek New Testament, although I suppose this is probably very true in the Old Testament as well, the words that are often translated as patience into English in another translation, another version, might show up as perseverance or endurance or long-suffering. And so they're all sort of variations on a theme. But I do believe that God has a progressive purpose for us in these years. In other words, there's a reason why he said to us, I want you to focus on purpose. I want you to focus on patience and receive it. I want you to focus on perseverance and receive it. There is something about perseverance in our focus this year that goes beyond mere patience. And so think of a car race like the Indy 500 or Formula One or whatever. Purpose is the course. It's the track. It's the race that has to be run. Now, if you're riding in the race, but you're on the wrong track, you don't win. You've got to run the race. I shared with a friend this week who was talking to me about how he's going to be running, a, a, I think, a half marathon or something. I said, you know, I ran a 6K race, the Big Sur River Run. I ran with a friend of mine back when I was in high school. But I think I took a wrong turn. Because early on in the race, that friend who was a much better runner than I and who had been training, and I hadn't, I just went up and on a whim, I said, oh, we're going to camp in Big Sur, that'll be fun. Yeah, I can run 6K. I don't even know what is 6K. You know, tell me what it is. Then when they described it, I was like, oh, that's okay. I'll try. And so he was far ahead of me. And somewhere along the way in these beautiful little back roads, it wasn't clear to me which way to go. So I, and I was far behind the pack, you see. I guess that's a metaphor for you. Don't get disconnected from the body of Christ. If you're disconnected from the Lord and you're disconnected from the body of Christ and you haven't been training in the word, you may not know which way to go. And so I took a turn that brought me to the finish line before him. But it didn't count because I had cheated. Not intentionally. I just didn't know what I was doing. You see, if we don't know what we're doing, we can even cross the finish line and yet not receive the prize. Everybody lives a life, everybody dies. It is appointed to us as human beings to live once and then to come before the Lord. Amen. And there's a prize there. The Lord says there's a crown of life for you. I want you to have it. Just because you cross the finish line of death into eternity doesn't mean that eternity is alive in you right now. God's purpose is the course that we are to run. Patience is the engine that can power us on that track. If you know the, 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 the course and you've got a beautiful car, but you pop up the hood and there ain't no engine, there ain't no way you're going to win the race. You won't even be able to compete. You see, patience purrs away at the heart of the person who is living in the purpose of God. Because part of God's purpose is that you and I would have that engine of patience. And it needs to run at a regular rhythm. And sometimes you're in low gear and sometimes you're in high gear. Sometimes it's patient and wait. Sometimes it's patience in a hurry. We've talked all about those things in 2022. And if you haven't been with us, friends, I invite you to go back and look at some of those sermons and look at some of those lessons and read from the scriptures and see that sometimes God says, hold here and be still. And sometimes God says, gear up and go. But it all involves patience. Patience is an engine that can lead us on the track of God's purpose, but perseverance is crossing the finish line. You see, if you're just going on that track 
and you're going in loops, but you never cross the last lap. You never cross for the checkered flag. Or if you get all the way to the end, have you ever seen races like that? It's terrible. Somebody has driven or run all the way to the end of the race, but then sheer exhaustion of the vehicle or of the body brings them to a place where they can't cross the finish line. And so it's all for naught. The enemy of your soul delights in the idea that no matter how long you've walked with the Lord and no matter how enthusiastic you are about God, if he could trip you up today, he can change the outcome of your tomorrow. And by that, what I mean is that he could short circuit your ability to experience God's purpose to the point of fulfillment in your life or to cross a finish line that God has called you to. And the scriptures refer to our call in Christ as a race over and over again. And in fact, we'll be looking at that in days to come and even today. So perseverance is about winning the race. It's about laying hold of the prize. It's about keeping on, keeping on. Don't give up. And the reason why God has said to you and I in 2023 that perseverance is a primary point of focus has got to include that it will be a primary target of the enemy. In other words, don't expect 2023 to be easy. But don't discourage yourself by thinking, oh, it's going to be hard. What is hard to you? All things are possible with God. And if God is for you, then what can stand against you? And if you have the patience of God that is roaring within you, and if you have the perseverance of God that is leading you on, then you will run your race to completion in him. He will give you the strength to not only walk but run, even to rise up on wings like eagles and fly across the finish line. And that counts, friends, that counts in the Lord. The wings of the Lord on your feet will give you perseverance to overcome whatever obstacle of the enemy that he tries to raise up in front of you this year. Don't be discouraged and don't be afraid to believe big and dream big and reach far. And even if sometimes in your reach you stumble and fall, don't be afraid of the fall because there is God to lift you up again in the call. When the Lord says, I'm going to raise up the low and bring down the high, he's also saying, I'm going to give you level ground. Even if the ground you're on isn't level, the Lord you're in is. And he speaks the level truth to us. And one of the things he's saying is, you've got to persevere. Don't give up. Don't grow weary because there is a reward. In this year of perseverance, we are dedicating January to looking at the topic of perseverance and understanding it in ways that will help us distinguish it from the, from the lessons we've received about patience. This is really about applying what we've learned about patience into the active world of challenge and reward. And so today, I'm going to talk just a little bit more about the purpose of perseverance, looking at Habakkuk 2 and Hebrews 10. By the way, certainly one of the purposes of the Lord is that you would know his word. You will see that in the first point of today's message, which isn't really the first point. It's just the sub-point of the purpose of perseverance. But let me share with you that the book of Hebrews is all about God's purpose, and it is really rich in the subjects of perseverance. And Hebrews is going to be the topic of my teaching for PSOM when we resume three weeks from today, January 22nd, Sunday, at 2 p.m. Pacific. We will be online on Zoom. You can join in. You can register for the class for a nominal fee to audit, or you can pay slightly additional and take it formally for credit in our Praise School of Ministry. I encourage you to consider being a part of that Hebrews class because, first of all, it's one of the most delightful books of Scripture. I know I say that about all of them, but how can you, how can you not? But Hebrews is one that the more you read it, the more you're going to love it. And there's so much uh, rich wisdom and so much encouragement in the book of Hebrews. Come study it with me in PSOM uh, in three weeks, and we'll, we'll spend about six weeks together doing that. Now then, there is patience built into perseverance. And next week, we're going to talk about that, looking particularly at Philippians 4 and Galatians 6. So there's additional scriptures for most of these, but these are primary ones. Then we will talk about the persistence of perseverance. 
That's the keep on keeping on part of perseverance. But here's some of the good stuff that I want to hang out there in front of you like a, like a great golden carrot. How about the power of perseverance? You see, perseverance is something that can fuel your fire for the Lord and renew your, your focus on him, your delight in him, your engagement with him, and your progress in him. We will talk about the progress of perseverance. And of course, throughout the year, as I said, we'll be looking at how perseverance manifests in the practical realities of our day-in, day-out life and relationships. It's going to be an exciting year. Do you believe that? I do. You'll find out. It's going to be a year in which God does good things. There's going to be hard things, but God is doing good things. So let's talk about the purpose of perseverance in the Lord today before we conclude our time of teaching. I want to look, as I mentioned, at Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk is a prophet of the Old Testament, one of the 12 minor prophets. If you were with me in PSOM in one of our classes last year, we looked at the scroll of the 12. It's uh, the last books of the Old Testament in our Bible. And Habakkuk is one of those. He's living in a challenging time as most of those prophets did. And in a time when the judgment of the Lord was being affected in the world and also the Lord was saying, there's more judgment yet to come. So there's warnings from God and reprimands from God, which is a good thing. It's good to hear that you're doing it wrong. Because if you were running the race to win, you want somebody there, you want the pit boss to say, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> you're off track. You blew a fuse, you blew a tire, you blew it. Take a pit stop and hear how you need to get back on track. Amen. Maybe somebody out there today, January 1, or whatever day you may be hearing these words, is pit stop day for you. It's the Lord saying, will you pull it in here for a minute? We need to realign your wheels. We need to rebalance. We need to refuel. You need a little work, and that's not bad. It's good, especially when you've got a mechanic like the Lord. Jesus knows how to tune you up. So turn him on. Start listening to what the Lord is saying and get tuned up in him. Habakkuk is a prophet who provides, through the Spirit, that kind of tune-up for people who read the words of that prophet. And with the reprimands and the discouraging warnings, which are actually meant to be encouraging in, insofar as they're correcting, Habakkuk also speaks the promises of God. Likewise, in the book of Hebrews, and particularly today in Hebrews chapter 10, we see an application of the words of Habakkuk and, and a, a further edification of the people of God about perseverance, that we would see the vision as Habakkuk says, that we would receive the promise. You see, the purpose of the Lord, his vision, as it's articulated in his word, is about relaying a promise to you and I. And that promise includes the ability to persevere, to press on in the purpose to which we've been called. And so these are three points that I want to look at together with you today. First, see the vision. Will you say that phrase? See the vision. Here we are in Habakkuk 2, and the vision of the Lord is going to be laid out through the prophet. The prophet says, I will take my stand at my watch post, like a watchman on the wall, looking for dangers to come, looking to protect the people of God. I'll station myself on the tower and look out to see what he, this is the Lord, will say to me and how I shall answer upon my reproof. The phrase here in Hebrew can be translated a variety of ways. And one of the things we'll see is, but the Greek translation that's called the Septuagint, which was very uh, widely read and widely heard in the days of Jesus, that was one of the more um, commonly known versions of the Old Testament scriptures in the days of Jesus and Paul. It's why the New Testament writers, uh, generally when they are quoting the Old Testament, are quoting the Greek version of it, the Septuagint, because it was well known and because it was available to Gentiles as well who didn't necessarily speak Hebrew typically did not. And so in the Septuagint version of this passage versus the Hebrew uh, texts that are available to us, there's some variety of interpretation. But that's actually kind of helpful because it gives us a rounded and enriched understanding of how ancient people, even people at the time of Jesus, perhaps even not going so far as to say, uh, it's not too far to say rather, that Jesus himself had an understanding of the passage similar to what we see in the Septuagint. Certainly it would be likely that it was taught to him that way in the synagogues that he attended. There's 
sometimes a variety of ways in which the, the phrases can be interpreted. This, how I shall answer upon my reproof, it could be the prophet saying, I'm going to figure out what I'm going to say to God when God calls me to account. Or it could be, God, uh, it could be the prophet saying, I'm going to call people to account myself on behalf of God and ask them to answer my reproof of them. And perhaps it's not unfair to say that both ideas are at play here. That the prophet basically is saying, together, we all need to prepare ourselves to answer God. Because here I am standing looking for God. Isn't that what we were singing earlier? Isn't that what we were praying? All of my hope is in you, Lord, is a very different thing to sing than some of my hope is in you, Lord. All of my hope is in you, Lord, about certain things. All of my hope is in you, Lord, until you disappoint me. All of my hope and trust is in you, Lord, as long as you do it in my timeline. No. What we sing, but do we mean it, is I'm putting everything of myself into you. I'm looking for you. We're singing. Here I am standing on the wall looking for you. The prophet reminds us, well, if that's what you're singing and if that's what you're saying, you better get ready for God to come with questions and for you to give some answers. Remember Job had to face the whirlwind of God and God said, now I'm going to ask questions. We like to ask our questions of God. Why didn't you? Why not? Why now? Where? But God comes and says, pushing all those questions aside, let me ask you a question. All he has to say is that and already we think, oh, if we're honest, if we're really looking for the Lord, all the Lord has to say is, I've got a question for you. And down to our knees we go because his questions are the ones that matter. But here's what the Lord says when he comes to Becca. He says, write the vision down that I am giving you. Make it plain on tablets. In other words, put it down on paper. Tablet is what he has. Make it clear. Put it in black and white. Will you do that this week? Amen. Sit down with a piece of blank paper or a blank screen, if you will. But I encourage you, as odd as this might seem, to physically take up a pen. Some of you might not know how to do that, but it is possible. Why? Because there's something about the tactile experience of writing something down that brings you to a place of clarity. Sometimes what you realize is, I don't know what to write, or what I'm writing isn't right. And sometimes you realize, this is right. What am I asking you to write? What you are hearing from the Lord. So you need to consult with the Word. Don't just write down things that are in your head and in your heart. Look in the Word this week and see where the Lord calls your attention to things that he is saying, this is my vision for you, and then write it down. And then don't just write it on that paper, but use that paper throughout this year to write it on your heart. Write it on the tablet of your heart. That's what the word of the Lord says in the book of Proverbs and also I believe in Psalms. The Lord says, write it on the tablet of your heart. So write it on paper first. What are the scriptures that God is saying to you are relevant to your journey this year? What are the dreams and visions? Yes, you can write down things that are personal and you can write them down with questions. Is this of you, Lord? Or you could write them down with requests. Lord, will you bring this to pass? But be sure that you are listening for what his purpose is. Remember, the race you're running is supposed to be the one he's called you to. Amen. Write the vision, make it plain. Why? So the one who reads it can run. Now, this runner... This runner has a purpose, and the purpose is to take that vision that has been written and to be a herald. Hark what the herald witnesses say. That's what hark the herald angels sing means. It means witnesses of God, messengers of God are giving God's message, and the message is good news. But how will they know that news if no one says it to them? And how can anyone say it to them unless it's been written down? So the Lord is saying, my word is a light to your feet. Now, make it plain in your life and in your heart so that you can run and share it with the world. Listen, there is no greater joy in the world and absolutely no obstacle that can stop you from sharing Jesus with others. That's what life is all about. Let him be alive in your heart with his word. For the vision awaits its appointed time. In other words, God is saying, there's a racetrack that you're on, there is a finish line, and it's not going to move for you. You've got to move towards it. But don't worry, because actually the Lord is moving it and you. He's the one who hastens it to the end, and the Lord doesn't lie. 
If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. In other words, if what you are expecting from God seems slow in coming to you, if your deeper understanding of him seems to be slow in coming, persevere because God will not fail you. But in the Septuagint, this passage also can be translated as it's quoted in Hebrews, if he seems slow in coming, he is not. He is coming. You see, what God is promising, his purpose is his very person. Jesus is the purpose. Jesus is the reason for every season. And it's Jesus that you and I are waiting upon. And it's Jesus who gives us the ability to persevere. Not by pride, because the proud one is puffed up and they have the wrong track. They have the wrong desires. They're not righteous and upright. And none of us would be, because we would all be like that in the flesh. But we aren't meant to live in the flesh. We are meant to live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Lord, let us live by faith in 2023 and every year that follows that you allow us to live on this earth. Why? So that we can receive the promise. Hebrews chapter 10, 32 to 37 says, Remember those earlier days? Now, this author is writing to people who did not know the truth of Jesus Christ in an earlier time in their life, like you and I. And even if you were raised in the church, I trust that you had a point in which you came to know Jesus personally. And if you haven't yet, today is the day. Meet him personally and find the transformation of life that comes through him. He changes us. But remember, before you had the change, Remember before you lived in the light. Remember when you were living in the darkness of the world. How different you were. In the book of Ephesians, Paul writes to the believers and reminds them, you were once that way, don't live that way anymore. In the book of Galatians, Paul reminds them, you were once that way, don't be that way anymore. Whether it's Paul or someone else writing in Hebrews, there's a similar sentiment here. You once lived in that kind of darkness, but now you've received the light. But here, see what happens after they receive the light, which, by the way, year of light, that was 2016, my first year pastoring here. So I could apply it to you. Remember that even after the Lord has been doing good things in us, and not just with my arrival, but all the wonderful things that have happened here under Pastor Joe and Sister Beth throughout many years of dedicated prayer and passionate worship, all the good things of God that have transpired, also remember that there's been many hardships. And sometimes the more you followed God and the more that you did what he called you to do, the harder the hardships came. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, you also had to endure a great conflict. You had received the light of the Lord. You were enlightened by God, but you were opposed by the world. You were opposed by the enemy. And you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were treated that way. You suffered along with those in prison. You joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. These things were happening to them because they were Christians. They were imprisoned because they were Christians. They lost property because of their faith in God. But you knew that you yourselves had something better. You had a better freedom than that which was taken from you if you were in prison. You had a better possession than any that could be taken from you on earth. So don't throw away your confidence in God. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. Will you read these words in orange here? You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will have received what he has promised. Hebrews 10.36 is another one of our main verses of focus for us in this year of perseverance. It's saying you need to persevere on that racetrack of God so that you can cross the finish line and receive the prize that he has prepared for you. For in just a little while, the author of Hebrews quotes Habakkuk 2, he who is coming will come and will not delay. The vision is true. God doesn't lie. He will come. Jesus is coming in many ways in our world, not least of which, but most of which, is that he is coming at some point, and none of us knows the day or the hour, but all of us knows the reality if we believe the word of the Lord, and we ought to because God doesn't lie. Jesus has said, I shall come again to judge the living and the dead, 
and I have my reward with me. But in this year of 2023, whether we see Christ coming in the clouds or not, and we very well may and we very well may not, I don't know, but I know this, we ought to live ready for that. We ought to live ready to give an answer. Like Habakkuk, we should stand at attention, looking at our lives in the light of the Lord, ready for whatever comes, realizing that there will be persecution, but recognizing my righteous one will live by faith. That's the way Christ lived. That's the way you and I are to live. That's what this meal is about. Not just remembering who Christ Jesus is, but receiving his capacity to persevere according to his purpose. As we remember him, we remember his resolve. The Lord says, I take no pleasure in the one that shrinks back. And the author of Hebrews says, but we don't shrink back. We are not those who give up. We are not those who quietly quit church and prayer and Bible reading, just kind of quietly on the side, reserving ourselves and saying, you know, I've done my work in that, but I'm not going to do any more. We are those that say, my life is in this. I'm going to feed on it. I'm going to feast on this one who is the bread of heaven, who is the cup of forgiveness and the spirit of righteousness. I'm going to ask if those who are sharing the communion with us would come forward now. We don't shrink back because destruction and death are in that road. But we are those who have faith and our souls are preserved as we persevere in God. That's today's message. But the teaching is really wrapped up in the receiving of this bread and this cup. The body of Christ and his blood. As the elements are taken, would each one hold until all have been served? And we'll take a time of worship as we prepare. You at home can also bring your elements before you. And as they are being disseminated, consider how Jesus is calling you and equipping you to persevere today. God has a purpose for your life. And God's purposes, all of God's purposes, are relevant to your life. And your life is not just your own. For someone out there who's feeling so very alone, remember what I said about the pit stop of the Lord? If you've ever watched a car race, and maybe you never have, I'm not a great aficionado of it myself, just not my thing per se, but I've seen enough to know that when those racers who are doing something pretty fabulous with usually pretty fabulous machines, when they come in for the maintenance that they need, which means, in other words, no matter how talented, no matter how much, I don't know, engine power you've got, horsepower, we all need a refresher. We all need course correction. When they come into those pits, it's not just one dude there helping them. It's a whole team of people. The body of Christ is a team, and we are meant to help each other. Amen. You cannot run the race of God alone. There are times where you may be solo, but you're not alone. Jesus said, I'll never leave you alone. And the body of Christ is Jesus and his family. It's his brothers and sisters. And he's the big brother, the firstborn, who is also Father, Savior, King. And he puts the bread on the table, and it's himself. On the night before he was sacrificed, 
he broke the bread with his disciples and he said, this bread is my body which is broken for you. He was broken so that you can persevere. His brokenness becomes our wholeness and in him we are made one. Lord, we receive this bread from you today as a reminder of your sacrifice for us and your promise to us that we, your people, would be one body in Christ. Likewise, he took the cup and just as he had with the bread, he gave thanks to Father God in heaven. And he said, this cup is the cup of a new covenant in my blood. It's a cup of forgiveness. We all have sinned, but in this cup, there is the reminder of an eternal, immortal, all holy truth. The blood of Jesus washes away every and all sin. Now sin so easily ensnares and entangles us and inhibits us from running the race. So let the Lord wash you clear, even in your conscience today, from any sense of shame or guilt because of the forgiveness of Christ Jesus. It's not that sin doesn't matter, it's that it isn't more powerful than this blood. But this blood, which forgives, also calls, don't keep on sinning. So you and I, we struggle with that. And the Lord says, as often as you drink this, remember me and my promise. If you believe in me, your sins, which are many, are forgiven and your life is secure in the Lord. Whether you've taken this cup before or not, I invite you to take it today as your endorsement and acceptance of the promise of Jesus that says, all your sins are forgiven by him. Lord, we thank you for this precious meal, the Thanksgiving meal of your body and blood. And we thank you for this precious year, the year of our Lord, 2023, a year of perseverance, a year of breakthrough, a year of promise and empowerment, a year of faithfulness and encouragement, a year in which we go forward in the call, in the purpose of the Lord, to proclaim the good news. Jesus Christ is King. Hallelujah and amen. God bless you all.